but I was forced to stay at home a lot. So what did I just do? I read more books and I read the entire collection of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I read any and every book that you could get at Borders or Barnes and Noble on real estate investing, flipping houses, estimating repairs, finding off-market sellers, you know, uh, creative financing, lease options, subject to, um, wholesaling, so on and so forth. And I was like, man, I've been doing this wrong this whole time. Welcome to Grid Talk, a podcast about real estate entrepreneurs, visionaries, and the stories behind the legacies they're creating. I'm your host, Rob Chavez. And on today's show, I've got David Dodge from St. Louis. Now, David is fascinating because his journey is one from house arrest all the way to massively successful real estate investor. And it was that journey in itself that led to his massive success today. So I know you're going to get a lot from David's message today. So listen up. What's up, Grid? Hey, today I've got David Dodge from St. Louis, Missouri with me. He's an Aspen, stuck, right? <laughs> Skiing, oh, poor guy, right? He had, so, so anyhow, David, thanks so much for joining us on Grid Talk, man. I, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you jumping on during your vacation, of all things. Hey, man, no problem. I'm actually grateful to be here. So thank you so much for having me. Always love uh, sharing and, uh, you know, doing some podcasting. And hopefully the goal here, right, would be to provide as much value as we can over the next 30 minutes to an hour. Um, so, again, I'm happy to be here, man. Thank you. Thanks, man. I appreciate you sharing some time. And we're new friends, right? We met, you know, about a month ago in Tulum, Mexico, of all place, right, for a mastermind. And I heard you, it was so funny because I heard you say, oh, I'm from St. Louis. And you were like talking to another group of people. And I was like, oh, St. Louis. I'm like, my wife's from St. Louis, right? So That's being right. the new kid on the block, I'm like gravitating to, to anybody I can connect with with any, any connection, you know? So that's cool, man. So so you're from, so what I know is you're from St. Louis, right? You've been, uh, you, you run a real estate investment uh, business and- uh, it looks like you also do some coaching, consulting, and you have a podcast uh, of your own. Yep. You got a podcast of your own, right? Mm -hmm. And so what I want to do is learn a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. Like, how did you get into this business in the first place? What was your vision for your life? And like, kind of walk us through, help me understand that a little bit. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to, Rob. So uh, for the most part, you know, I went to... So I'm born and raised here in St. Louis, Missouri, or I shouldn't say here because I'm in Aspen right now. But, <laughs> you know, where I typically spend most of my time is St. Louis. Um, you know, it's a, it's a decent little city. I wouldn't recommend you vacation there by any means. Uh, but in terms of real estate investing in a good real estate market, it's a fabulous place to invest. We are able to uh, find deals on property pretty, pretty uh, routinely, right? Pretty easily. And um, I'm using my phone as a camera, so there may be some pop-ups, but just that's okay, it. man. That's good. That's good. It's a lot clearer. That's a report of right there. Multiply. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, uh, so basically, right after, um, or in, I should say this, in high school, right before I graduated, my father passed, and you know that's not a a huge deal necessarily. Of course, death is you know very common, uh, but what was what was a little different from that from most other people is that I had already lost my mother at a young age. So I was, you know, basically forced into being a man right out of high school. 
right? Yeah. Now, yeah. I had a great family. Shouldn't say had, have, still do. You know, great uncles, aunts and uncles and cousins and a sister and even some stepbrothers and sisters, right? And um, for the most part, I went off to school. My, my grandparents were like, hey, you, you know, you're going to college. And thank God for them, right? They even paid for it. So like incredibly grateful for my family and my late grandparents, just amazing people. But they sent me off to school and they were like, you know, we need, we want you to be educated and we don't want you to just, you know, start hanging out with the bad crowd and working at a car wash your whole life. Mm -hmm. And thank God I did. Right. So I went to college and I actually started working at a car wash, you know, and uh, hanging out with kind of some people that I probably shouldn't be hanging out with, but I was still in college. Right. And I had a teacher, my freshman year of college. And it, you know, I went to school with, to get a degree in financial planning. Um, but what ended up happening is I had this teacher in school that I can't remember the name of the class, Rob, but basically it was, it was a class based on rich dad, poor dad, right? Mm. So very mm -hmm. different class than your traditional Econ 101 or, you know, business finance 101, right? And basically every day we would come in or, you know, every time there was a class and we would read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it was so really? cool. It, yes, so cool. And this guy would, you know, talk about like how much he made as a teacher and he just donated every month, you know, like didn't give a shit about that, had a lot of rental properties and wow. was financially free and was just teaching at the college, you know, at the, at the university in the town that he lived where he had a bunch of rentals. So like, you know, from a young, young age, I guess that would probably be like, you know, 19 years old. I started looking at, you know, real estate as, as an option and investing and, and my grandparents as well were always invested every penny they had outside of their means. Right. They were very, very good about that. You know, never, never necessarily had super high paying jobs, but you know, retired multimillionaires. Right. So mm that was kind of ingrained in me from a little child. So to kind of take a step ahead and not bore everybody here, um, I bought a house, I think it was my junior year of college. So I was like 21 and I went and I found a real estate agent who's a good friend and a partner to this day and said, Hey, I want to find a four bedroom house and I want you to help me find one. He said, cool, no problem. Of course he's going to get paid a commission and he finds me a four bedroom house and I go, cool. I go put an offer on it. I don't know how I'm going to buy it, but I'm going to figure it out. And I walk into the bank and I was like, I need to get a loan to buy this house. And they're like, yeah, your credit's not that great. You don't have any income. You work at a car wash, right? Or busting tables, like something stupid. And I was like, all right, what do you need? And they're like, we need coastliners. So I went to my family and my you know, friends, mostly family at that point. And I was like, hey, you know, I'll give you my word. Like, well, I don't have anything else at this point. Let's do it. So they co-signed on the loan. And then I also was able to get them to lend me the 20% that I had to put down. So I got an 80% loan that borrowed the 20% and they co-signed, right? 100% finance deal right there, right? Out the gate. Now, my, the gate. my goal was to pay them back the 20% over like the next two to three years. And I did, which is really cool. I worked really hard and I paid them back. <clears throat> did, that, did that as a junior, rented out three of those bedrooms. So it's house hacking, right? House hacking yeah. 101. Did it again as a senior with another house. It was actually funny because I bought a friend a house or I bought, like I knew I had a friend moving into town. So I bought a house and I was like, here, you live here and you find two other people or I will. And he did. And then I was dating a girl at the time, kind of random. And I was like, I'm buying another house. Like I need a tenant. 
So I threw her in there. It's not her friend. So I technically had three of these by the time I graduated from school. And it was all kind of similar, right? I was working on, you know, to pay back the money I borrowed to go get a loan. But I was, but I think the lesson here, guys, is not that house hacking is cool. It is very, very cool. Another, uh, another little notification there. <laughs> not that house yeah, hacking. That's right. Not that house hacking isn't cool. That is very, very cool. But the biggest lesson, Rob, that I learned is, um, you know, paying retail is a difficult way to build wealth. Mm-hmm. And it's just a difficult approach to investing in real estate. Okay. So let's jump ahead, right? They, my parents didn't want me hanging out with the wrong crowd and they didn't want me working at a gas station. Well, I ended up working in, or not a gas station, um, you know, a car wash, right? Well, I ended up working at car washes in college, of course. And I kind of started hanging out with the wrong crowd. And after college, I uh, moved back to St. Louis and I had a couple different random jobs. You know, I was, um, I started a web development company making websites and I, I had a, a lawn care business for a little while. Um, I took a job doing marketing and traveling around the United States, which was actually really fun. It was 10 months and I was gone the whole time, different cities. So I got to see the world or the U.S., I should say, at you know, a young age, like 24, 25. And then um, basically that wrong crowd that I was telling you about, we uh, got in some pretty serious trouble and um, we're facing some jail time. And it was because of marijuana. So we were, we were, we were, we were basically selling large quantities of it. And, you know, we were out breaking the, the house. Out of the houses? We not out of the houses, right? <laughs> okay. You know, now it's legal, right? In, in yeah. states recreationally. And I'm not saying what we did was, was not wrong. It was. And, um, you know, it, it took like three years off my life because it was, it was a federal crime and i didn't know if i was going to go to prison or not and long story short um you know i i had uh i had about a whole year before i was actually gonna have to go in front of the judge to get sentenced and um i just used that time to just read 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 right and i'm 36 years old today this happened when i was like 27 28 but it didn't end until i was like 31 right it lasted so incredibly long because it took like it took like two years from the time that we got in trouble me and me and my buddies to the time that you know i actually went to court and again that 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 you know let's say last year i didn't know if i was gonna go do a year or two or three like Mm -hmm. i didn't hurt anybody i didn't break any moral like no moral laws you know if you're religious right i just broke these laws about this plan so i personally don't think it's really that you know crazy but it was a federal crime and the government didn't didn't you know didn't think that that it was not a big deal right so i just read and read and read and i read like 100 books and then what happened is i got sentenced and thank god i didn't have to go to jail but the judge gave me nine months house arrest rob oh smokes okay months you yeah. can't leave the house is that what it, like at a, so i was able to leave out, i was able to leave the house for like five or six hours a day but that's okay. it and i okay. had to be home and i couldn't travel and on the weekends i wasn't really allowed to leave it was just the weekdays you know i could leave to like go and at the time i was i was a real estate investor because i what i had done was i had bought basically about a, a house a year 
But I, but again, the first like eight or 10 years, it was the traditional method. I want to make this very clear, guys. Don't do this. It was a tra- tra- the traditional method of finding a real estate agent, finding a property that met my characteristics, going and making an offer, paying full retail, okay? Mm-hmm. And then purchasing that house however it would be. And basically, by the time that I got in trouble, I had about 10 rental properties. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was buying like one or two a year. And here's the thing. I've never been that good at saving money. So it's always been a great thing to save up a little bit and then park it in a house and then have debt. And I'm good at paying debt off. And I'm just not that good at saving money. So I was like, well, what better way to build wealth than just constantly pay off good debt, right? Like, I don't have 50000 in my checking account right now, but I got, you know, over seven figures worth of wealth in my real estate portfolio, right? And that's the yeah, coolest thing. It, it's interesting. I'd always say, man, it's like I, I I was really good at buying assets and then just like paying those off and having the tenants pay them off. But I always felt cash poor for the longest time, right? Uh, it wasn't until about a year ago, Rob, that I started not like worrying necessarily about having constantly income coming in, right? Because I've always just been like, oh man, let's just put every nickel towards this loan and pay it down, pay it off. You know, and again, it's like one thing having, you know, seven figures worth of wealth, but at the same time, you can't eat that equity, right? So, uh, but that's what I did, right? So went went and I got sentenced and thank God that uh, the judge kind of put mercy on me and, but it gave me nine months house arrest. So I was, again, I could leave a little bit, but I was forced to stay at home a lot. So what did I just do? I read more books and I read the entire collection of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I read any and every book that you could get at Borders or Barnes and Noble on real estate investing, flipping houses, estimating repairs, finding off-market sellers, you know, uh, creative financing, lease options, subject to, um, wholesaling, so on and so forth. And I was like, man, I've been doing this wrong this whole time, Rap. This whole time. I've been doing this wrong. I've been going out. I've been hiring a real estate agent. What is wrong with me, right? I've been paying retail. And so I started doing some marketing to my local market. And at the time, I think I was even still on house arrest. Actually, I know I was. I know I was. Because, because whenever we went, here's how I know. Because one time, whenever we went to look at an office, my bracelet, on my like my ankle bracelet, it's house arrest, right? <laughs> and it was like, you got to get home. And I'm like, shit. I'm like, my phone's working, guys. I got to go. And I just ducked out, right? You know, like, so I started marketing. I started marketing. I started trying to find sellers. And um, three months went by. And I had talked to a few people, had run several appointments, had sent a few offers, and I was this close to doing a deal twice, mm-hmm. but nothing, nothing panned out. Mm-hmm. So what did I do, Rab? I found a local mentor, I found a local coach, and I highly recommend anybody that watches this, maybe it next week or in 10 years from now, guys, to really listen to the next couple sentences here, right? I found a mentor after three months of struggling and did three deals that next month. Mm. It took me two weeks with the mentor to do my first deal. And then the next two weeks, I did two more. Okay. Mm. So big shout out to Joe McCall. He's my local coach, friend, and mentor. He's really the guy that taught me that he taught me a lot of things, right? But the main things um, was that this is a marketing business. And if you're not really good at marketing, you're not going to be good at wholesaling specifically, but really deal finding. Let's just be real general. Deal finding. 
It's a marketing business. And if you want to be a real estate investor, all the power to you. And I hope you do become one. But if you don't get good at marketing, you're not going to be able to find deals. All right. So to kind of recap, guys, I spent 10 years buying properties retail. And I was able to acquire 10 rentals over 10 years. You know, like that's not that great. Like most people I could teach to do that in probably two, right? Maybe hey, less. But, but you got to give yourself credit. That when you look at the general population, they'd say, wow, you owned 10 houses? Like they're, they're, yeah. like their mind is like blown by that concept. But because you're in, you've been playing in different circles, you're like, oh, wait a second. That's nothing, right? And that was slow. But most people don't think that way, right? What do you tell? What does it look like now, right? How many doors okay. do you have? How many properties? Check this, Check this out. So, it took me ten years to buy ten houses. Now, I didn't flip anything in that time frame. I just bought them, and that was about. And I learned about this motivated seller thing and this whole marketing as a business thing, and not just as a means to an end, but like as an actual business six years ago. So 10 deals in the first 10 years. Mm-hmm. And in the last six years, I've done 600 deals. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So roughly hundred deals, hundred so, deals. Just out of reference though, it's, it's March 16th. Not sure when this is going to air March 16th, 2021 that we're, that we're recording this. And I've already, I've already bought a hundred houses this year dude that's insane i think i saw you post about something like that and so we have to i've got to unpack that in a little bit we'll we'll unpack that yeah so i'm not saying this big numbers to brag at all guys please don't take it that way what i am saying is that there are these people out there that are called motivated sellers and hopefully you're listening to this and you're like, oh, Dave, I know all about the mot- the motivated seller people. Well, guess what? A lot of people don't. Okay. So my good friend, our friend, Brent Daniels taught me this one time that, you know, roughly 4% of the population at any given time is in a really distressed situation. Or another way to word it would be 4% of all the households, it's probably a better way to word it, are in a distressed situation. So, you know, if you have a hundred thousand houses in your in your little market, like my market's not big, St. Louis. There's about a hundred thousand houses there. That means that four thousand households at any given time are motivated. Now, I want to be very clear on the on the motivation here. Take a step back for a second. We're going to circle back to this. As a real estate investor, specifically a wholesaler, I truly believe that all we have to offer is convenience. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this 16 years and I really didn't even learn this until four years ago, three years ago, just pretty recently. Right. But what we have to offer people is convenience in exchange for a discount. And mm-hmm. if they are not willing to give us a discount, then I teach all my students, you better pull that convenience way back. You know, maybe you're not willing to close in two weeks. Maybe it's going to be three months or two months. And maybe you're not going to let, you know, go in and pay or, 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 you know, let them sell you a property as is without doing any repairs or paying if they're not going to give you that discount. So the bigger discount that a seller is willing to give you, the more convenience that you are going to give them. And that's really what real estate investing is all about. 
Mm-hmm. It's a business. The definition of business is the act of making money, right? So we're not going to do this at a loss. We're going to do this for a profit. And how do we do that? We do that by buying at a discount and we exchange convenience to get the discount. That's it, guys. It's that simple. So 10 years, 10 deals. I learned that lesson that I just taught you right there. And I've done 600 and probably 50 in the last six because now I know, Rob. Now I know, hey, I know a lot of people. I got a lot of systems in place. If you need money next Tuesday, I am really confident that I can make a couple phone calls and partner with somebody and get you that money. But if that house is really, if it's worth 200000 and it's in its current condition, not ARV, in its current value, we're going to give you 130 maybe 140 maybe even 150 if you have a really good school district. <laughs> but that's it. And if you don't like that number, well, then I don't have to buy it. In fact, of the last 600 houses I bought, I didn't need any of them. Zero. Now, I've probably kept about 100 of them and done the Burr method. And this time last year, I had about 75 rentals, Rob. Right now, I think I'm just over 30. Sold a bunch because the market got crazy. Wanted to clean up the balance sheet. A couple other reasons mm-hmm. like But for the most part, I don't need any of these houses. So I teach my students, you have a lot of value. You just don't know it because you're not talking to enough people. And when you come across these motivated seller people, they're like fictitious beings until you get in front of one. You're like, holy shit, this guy is like giving me this house half off. But, but he's moving for work or he's getting divorced or... Somebody died, he's inheriting the property, doesn't even live in the state, doesn't even care to come back. And he knows he's leaving money on the table. And he could always go hire that agent who probably says, we need you to fix this shit first before they even want to list it because they're embarrassed, right? Mm-hmm. And they may list it and they're going to charge them 6%. And then the buyer's going to come in and the buyer's going to send an inspector over. Well, the buyer's going to give them a contract with a really long inspection period, a bunch of outs, contingent on financing and inspections. This is how every real estate deal traditionally speaking, works, right? Mm-hmm. Buyer comes in, sends an inspector out that costs $500 and he's there a whole day and he sends you a 72-page report. Maybe he might even be 85 pages, guys. Like, they're big, right? And then the seller, I'm sorry, the buyer then says, hey, still want to buy, but you need to fix this 85 pages worth of shit, right? Yeah. And if yeah, yeah. you don't, then I want to see 10000 off the price or I'm walking, Right. So then you haggle and you fix a couple things and then you take a couple dollars off the price. And then another month goes by because there's a financing contingency and the bank's taking time and they're sending an appraiser out and all this stuff. So traditionally speaking, a real estate transaction takes you three to five months. Three months, best case, right? I see, I see how you're painting the picture, right? Like you're painting, this is the discussion you're, you've had a hundred times, a thousand times, probably with with motivated sellers, and so right. so that's an interesting concept because you're right. People don't know what a motivated seller is until you you run into one, and they're they're literally. I remember one of my first ones. She said, "What are you going to do with the house?" I said, "I'm going to fix it up," and she's like, "You should burn it, right?" <laughs> she was like, "She was like, you should burn it, right?" She was just like the house. 
had so much negative energy for her that she just she didn't she didn't care right that's the motivation we're seeking guys that's it and that's it rob i love it so that's it right Ten thousand foot view investors provide liquidity to the market okay take Mm. it down to a hundred foot view we can provide convenience in exchange for a discount the bigger discount the more convenient so people often say dave what convenience is well there's hundreds but really I'd say 80 to 90% of it can be can be categorized into three things. Cash, which really isn't ever my cash. Well, sometimes, but very rare. It's usually a partner, a hard money lender, a private money lender, line of credit from equities or, or whatever, or, or, or um, special types of financing, like creative ways, right? Mm-hmm. Cash, that's one number one. Um, quick, and when I say quick, I'm not buying houses in three days. I'm not buying houses in seven days. And it's rare I'm buying houses in 10 days, guys. It's usually like three weeks, right? Mm -hmm. Two weeks if it's a home run. But two to three weeks is extremely fast compared to the alternative of three, four, maybe even five months. So cash, quick. And the third thing that I think is, again, makes up about 80, maybe 90% of all of our conveniences is the condition and that's I'm willing to pay or I'm willing to buy as is. Yeah. So that means that they don't have to fix, clean or remove anything from the property. And a lot of times we'll haul five or six dumpsters worth of trash out of a property, but somebody would, you know, would leave 30 grand on the table when it, and at the end of the day I can hire a crew plus the cost of dumpsters and do five oh, yeah. maybe maybe 2500 bucks. Mm-hmm. But damn but to them, that's like all this sentimental stuff. And I get it. I've lost people close to me. There's certain things that you don't want to get rid of or you just can't bring yourself to throw that in the trash can. It's just too hard to do. But you can walk away. That's always an easy option, right? So cash, quick, as is. Those are the conveniences. There's lots of other things as well, but that's the majority. And in exchange for those, depending on you know what they want. Some people want cash. They want to be able to do it quick. Others just want to walk away. So it depends on what they're looking for is what we're going to sell them. But in exchange for those, we're going to give, we're going to, re, we're going to demand. We're not going to ask guys, we are going to demand a discount. Mm-hmm. And typically I want to see a 30% discount minus the repairs. People walk often say, me through, walk me through the evolution of your marketing machine, right? So in the beginning you learned, okay, this is a marketing business. So maybe you, you know, maybe you went gently into the night or maybe you went all in. Like, I'm curious. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great question. I love this. Well, I get people all the time. So I now have a mentor program and a coaching program and sell courses, right? Just like I was paying for and buying back in the day. And I signed up for Rich Dad Coaching. I, I did Joe's Coaching. I did two or three other people's coaching. Probably, you know, bought 20 or 30 different courses online. And every one of them taught me something, right? Those things all taught me something. So when I was on house arrest and I started my marketing, my own, myself, I was cold calling and cold texting using Google Voice from Craigslist and Zillow. I was calling people that had for sale by owners and or for rent. And I tell my students that's still a great option. Nowadays, you can add in Facebook Marketplace and local mm-hmm. groups to that list. 
Mm-hmm. Also, go Section 8 is a good spot. But basically, keep it simple. Just pick up the phone and start calling or texting people that have houses for sale or they have um, a house for rent and ask them if they're interested in selling it. And that's what I was doing. And I was only doing like an hour or two a day for that first three months. And that's why I didn't really get a deal. It's close a couple times, but it just didn't happen. So when I hired Joe, I had 60 or $62,000 worth of credit card debt. Mm-hmm. Um, not not going to disclose what I paid Joe because it's nobody's business, but you know, I paid him several thousand bucks. Best money I've ever spent, by the way. Love it. Joe's still a good friend. But several thousand dollars I had paid to that coaching program. So I went from like 62 grand, let's say, to like, you know, 65 or 67. And then Joe's like, hey, this is a marketing business. This is what you hired me to do. So we're going to go do some marketing. It's either time or money. David, what do you want to do? And I'm kind of lazy. I always have been. So I was like, I guess we'll just put this on their credit cards and just see what happens. <laughs> Let it ride. <laughs> let's just. Yeah, I was like, I'm already doing like one or two hours a day at cold calling. I can I can maintain that, Joe. I promise you, right? I can maintain that. But I am not doing six or eight hours. It's just not me. I'm not doing that, right? So he goes, cool, let's get you a, a motivated seller list. I think we maybe pulled some absentee owners and some vacant houses in my market. And I sent out uh, like $3,000 worth of postcards over about two weeks, over about two, you know, two-week period. Wow. And my phone started blowing up, man. It started Ooh. ringing 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 and you know rob it's one of these things where it's like you spend an hour or two ringing other people and you may talk to 30 people and have three people that you're going to follow up with and, and that's without an auto dialer now with an auto yeah. dialer you can x those numbers right but this is this is six years ago and um you know i kind of learned it at, at, at a young world i should say in the beginning and joe probably taught me this too but it's either you're ringing somebody else's phone or they're ringing yours sure Period. No matter what kind of marketing you're doing, you're doing driving for dollars, you're doing cold calling, cold texting, radio ads, online marketing. At the end of the day, even if they go and fill something on your website, you get an email, well, boom, you got to call them now. So it's either you call them or they call you. That's the end result. And you can have 10 steps between that, but the end result is to get them on the phone always. To have a conversation. So have a conversation, make a friend. Right, exactly. So it was funny because... My phone started ringing and I'm like, holy cow, like, you know, I've, I've been like spending like dozens of hours a week, dozens and dozens to try to, you know, to like to get a couple people to like want to talk to me. And now I got like 30 people a day calling me. Now that was short lived mail all hits and then and then it slows down. But I was like, holy cow, this $3,000 worth of mail that I just sent out again, it got me like three deals that first month. And I'm just thinking, holy cow. I've been approaching this all wrong, all wrong. This is a marketing business, guys. It's either time. It's not either. It's or. It's and, I mean. Sorry. Time and money, right? You can eliminate the money down to like nickels if you spend a lot of time. But if you don't want to spend all that time and you have to spend a lot of money, right? So a lot of the gurus out there, including me, all right, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not discounting myself here are going to go online and they're going to market. Hey, learn how to do real estate deals. Learn how to wholesale real estate with little to no money. Mm-hmm. It's the best pitch there is, right? When, it, when it's like trying to get somebody to buy your coaching program or to buy a course, right? Learn how to buy properties with little to no money, Rob. Well, guess what? I've done that hundreds of times. I'm sure you have too. But Carlton here's the Sheets, baby. That was my old school. Carlton Sheets. Right. No but here's there. the catch. There's always a catch. Yeah. 
I lead with it. I, I don't know many other people out there that have this message. I lead with it. The marketing is going to take time. It's going to be expensive and it's going to be difficult. Now, the cool part is this business is simple. It's incredibly simple, but it's not necessarily easy. You have to work really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Everything in my life that I cherish, I worked really hard for. Mm -hmm. You give me something, I'm going to give two cents about it, right? So you got to think like all things that you work hard for, they're going to usually pay off big, right? So you're going to have to work really hard and get really good at marketing and spend a lot of time and maybe even a lot of money to get these leads. Now, the cool part is once you get a good lead, you can flip a house worth 800,000 bucks for $10. You can do it. It's possible. I've done it five to 600 times, right? Mm -hmm. You don't need a lot of money to flip the house, but you need a lot of time and money to generate these leads, period, right? Now, we get leads that fall in our lap, and I'm sure you do too, but you've, you've earned those free leads by spending time at networking events and RIAs and posting on Facebook that you are looking for deals and that you buy houses. One of the best lessons that I think I've ever learned, and this isn't even a real estate specific one, but it's such a good correlation. And my, my, my business partner, Mike, taught me this. Never keep your business a secret. Just yeah. think about that for a second, right? If nobody knows that you're looking to go buy houses, like let's say somebody's watching this or listening to this and they're on the fence, you know, they're like, oh, you know, I've been kind of wanting to like dabble in this, right? Well, if you are too embarrassed to tell your friends, you should stop right now. Literally stop and just go find another hobby. But if you, you know, take off that, you know, that, worry of what they're going to think about me and you start telling people, Hey, I buy houses. They're going to know somebody that is looking to sell a property and they're going to call you. And we get this happen to us two or three times a month where somebody says, Hey Dave, I've been seeing you post on Facebook, you know, once a month for six years saying you buy houses and my grandma moved into a home yeah. and we know yeah. you're not going to, we know you're not going to pay retail, but we want the, we want simple. We want convenience here. And we're willing to leave a little money on the table because we know you're going to be quick and easy to work with. Yeah, we call it being omnipresent, right? Like you're like you're just ever they see you all the time, right? You have to be omnipresent. So what is your what is your machine look like now? Are you doing direct mail? Are you doing Facebook ads, Instagram ads? Or the answer is yes, I do all of it, right? And if so, yeah, so I you consider myself to be a a, a decent real estate investor. Eh, you know, but I'm a really, I'm an expert marketer. I really, I really awesome. believe that. Right. So awesome. I do all, all of it. Right. So I started out with the direct mail and by the way, I was 60, let's call it 67 grand. Then the extra 3000 that I had spent, I was 70 grand in, in credit card debt mm -hmm. when I, when I got my first deal. And I think I made 11,000 on that deal. I think mm -hmm. it's been a long time. I paid off all my debt in the preceding like eight or nine months. Right. Awesome. So just because you have a little bit of debt doesn't mean that you can't do this business. And if you're going to spend money on anything at all, I would highly recommend you find a mentor. I'm not even suggesting me. I'm not even suggesting Rob here. Yes, we're both great at this, I'm sure. Right. But just find somebody that you relate to because they are going to do a lot of things for you. But mainly they're going to speed it up. Yeah. Time. 
because they're going to take away all the worry and the fears that you may have about the business and the marketing. So I would say the, the there's two main things that I learned from Joe, my main mentor. One, this is a marketing business. And two, don't worry about the what ifs. And the reason that that's so impactful to me is because, you know, at the time, this is six years ago, but Joe was using this little thing called Boxer. Mm-hmm. And he may still use it today. I don't know. Um, I got my team over on Slack. But Boxer's cool because as a coach, you can you can kind of mute it all. And then like one hour a day, you can jump on there and respond to all your students. Well, I was sending Joe like, what if this happens, Joe? And, and again, by the way, I already had 10 houses when I started. So mm-hmm. I wasn't like a complete novice. I knew about loans and banks and about the process of closing. and But I didn't know about negotiating or motivation and direct to seller and marketing or any of that, right? So I kept asking Joe, what if, what if, what if? And, and this is such a valuable lesson that most people would be so mad at this, but I it like put a fire under me, right? Joe goes, David, you are not allowed to message me again until you have a house under contract. And at the time, I wasn't, I wasn't sending any offers because I was just getting started. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to just pay this guy like thousands of bucks and he's telling me I can't even reach out to him. But it was one of the best lessons, Rob, that I ever learned because it was like a day goes by, two days go by, three days go by. And I'm like, man, I can't even call my coach. I could <laughs> But like, I was like, I, I, I can't let him down, right? I, I can't let myself down either. So I just started sending offers, offer, 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 boom, got a contract. Guess exactly what I did. Joe, Joe, I got an offer on this house, man. He goes, he goes, he goes, what if nothing? Stop worrying. He goes, whenever you come across something that's a problem, solve it then. Don't worry about how to solve a hundred thousand problems before you have one problem. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it was such great advice. It was such a yeah. powerful thing, Rob. Yeah, people yeah. get people people get uh, all the weight of what ifs on their shoulder. Like it gets super heavy. You mentally get exhausted because you're trying to make all this, like trying to solve these problems, and you're Another not even doing the, you're not even doing the most important thing, right? You're not doing not the doing most important thing. Right? Marketing, right? So another way to word what if is analysis paralysis, guys. It's, mm-hmm. it's worrying about. You know, well, what if they don't accept my offer? Well, guess what? I get like probably 10% of my offers accepted, sometimes less because I'm, because my team is sending out two or three or five or sometimes 10 a day, right? Yeah, do you know your lead to conversation, to appointment, to, you know, close transaction number? By any chance, do you have that? You know, I, I, I don't. I wish okay. I did. And I... uh The reason that I don't, and here's why, Rob, is because I promote a lot of the stuff that I use and I don't have to pay for it, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. if I am using a service that, you know, might cost somebody else, you know, a hundred bucks a month, but it's free for me and they actually may even pay me a little bit because of affiliate marketing and I go do a deal on that software three months later, my, my ROI is essentially you know, unlimited, it's infinity because I didn't have a cost. cost. So my, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, and, and that doesn't mean that, um, that I'm better than anybody by any means, but, you know, instead of me, you know, working on just doing the marketing, I'm also promoting people to do marketing and to do yeah. what I'm doing because, because, because they work. Right. So 
I have a course and I'm not here to promote anything, but it's called 50 plus ways to find off market deals. And the coolest part about that course is I have done every single one of those ways and I have done a deal from every single one of those ways. So when it comes to marketing, guys, all of it works. I'm going to say that again. All of it works. The difference is, is it, are you going to give up before you get a deal from those efforts? So if you go yeah. put 100 bandit signs out and you don't get a deal, well, then go put out a 1,000 more, right? You're going to get one. If you're cold calling an hour a day and a month goes by, double it, triple it. You're, it's going to work. All of it works. So to answer your question, right now we do cold calling and cold texting primarily. We mm -hmm. send uh, probably two to $3,000 worth of mail a month. Mm -hmm. um, we are on and off the radio. I kind of cycle on. I, I, when I first started about two and a half years ago, three, maybe even three years ago, uh, I was the only person in my market doing radio advertising. Now there's six. So mm -hmm. it's just kind of flooded space. So it's like what I usually do is um, I'll wait until uh, it's really expensive in the holiday time. And then they all stop. So, and then I'm like, screw it, I'll pay a little more, but then I'm the only person on the radio. So I, I do on and off with the radio. So cold calling, cold texting, direct mail, radio advertisements. Of course, I have a website that we promote and we have ads on social media, like Facebook and Instagram. Um, I, I've, I used to do a ton of AdWords. I've actually uh, pulled back on my AdWords uh, just because I found that you know you can, you can get leads organically. So I, mm -hmm. I basically started taking that entire budget of um, what I was spending on AdWords, which was about two or three thousand a month. My market's not that competitive, so I don't need to go spend twenty grand. Um, and I started putting it into like podcast production and in uh, blogging because it's just starting to generate leads that way. And it's it's a long term strategy versus a short term strategy, but it's still online marketing, right? Um, and then of course my team, but not only me, but everybody on my team is you know constantly posting on social media that we're looking to buy properties. Uh, we go to real estate investment clubs and we do networking. I cannot, un I cannot um, c convey, I think is a good word, the importance of networking, right? Like we get so many deals from agents that are embarrassed to list the property or the seller goes and gets an agent, but they, but, 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 but they tell the agent, is there any way we cannot put, put these pictures online? And they're like, yeah. no, this is, we sell properties, right? So then they call investors and they're like, yeah, the seller doesn't want me to list it, but they're hiring me or they want me to help them. It's really weird. So they call Dave, you know? So it's like you, you get, there's so much value in networking. Uh, let's see, what else are we doing? Um, we, we don't do any RVMs unless we're following up because I don't believe in, in that right now. And it's illegal in a couple couple places throughout the country. Uh, but we do use them uh, with with our CRM. We have multiple CRMs uh, to follow up with people because it's really not that much different than if you know somebody actually did do that. But it's not hold yeah. right. Uh, but we did we did do that in the past, of course. Uh, trying to think of what else we do, man. There's so many things what we do. Is, is, I have a I, what what I like to do is I like to find somebody locally in my market that wants to learn, and I will trade them coaching. For bandit signs so if mm. they go put up two or three hundred bandit signs i'll give them an hour of my time or more and, and it's like if you've done 10 deals in your market guys 10 that's all you need to have done maybe less you can do that you know enough at that point to coach somebody else 
right? So if you don't want to put out bandit signs, find somebody who does that's motivated and don't pay them unless you want to. That's a cheap alternative, of course, too, right? But instead, check this out. I will go buy a thousand bandit signs, happy to do it. And I will get a new Google Voice set up or, or something cheap, something free even. And I'll let that person work every one of those leads. And I'll coach them through the process and split the deal with them. And they're doing 80% of the work. Yeah. They're doing 80% of the work. All I'm doing typically is going on one or two little appointments or just send, getting on the phone and making a negotiation and sending a contract, right? So, you know, there's so many different ways. I would say, you know, we've, we've been buying about 100 houses a year on average for the last three years, almost three and a half at this point. And, you know, I would I would go as, as far as saying 15 to 20 percent of those deals are joint ventures. Oh, wow. It's a good number. Are you wholesaling all of them? Are you renovating any of them? You great question. Yeah. It's a great question. So our motto is simple. Keep the best wholesale. the rest. <laughs> I was like, dump the rest. OK, keep the best wholesale the rest. Okay. That's it. It's that simple. So, you know, I love buying rental properties and I love using the Burr method. I've written a book on the Burr method. There's only two of them out there, I believe, Bigger Pockets and me. Uh, and I get this question all the time. How does yours compare to theirs? Well, I don't know. I never read theirs. I just know from doing, I just know from doing it a hundred times. Yeah. You know, I may not be the expert, but I have done it a hundred times, right? So I know a thing or two about it, right? So I love doing the Burr method. Um, I love buying rentals. Again, I got about 30 right now. I want to get back up to, you know, over a hundred. My goal is to get to about 150 uh, in the next, let's say 24 to 36 months. So I think it's very doable. And that's with me working part-time. So I, I typically only work about four or five hours a day anyway. Again, I told you guys, I'm really lazy. I'm in Aspen right now skiing. So it's just like, you know, whatever. So, so that, that takes us in an interesting, right, direction. So... You know, when you're a business owner, like you, you th sometimes there's a level of competition that occurs just naturally. Sometimes not. Some people, they're like, listen, I run the business so that the business funds my life. I was, I was more of the opposite. I was like, it's all competition, right? That that's how I, that's how I was. I'm not, I've learned to unwire that right a little bit. Um, but it sounds like you're working what four hours a day, four or five hours a day. Yeah. I would say probably five is a long day. Typically it's three to four on average. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Um, I enjoy working. I do because if I'm in town, it's weird, but I tell my team to, to set appointments because I find myself to be the most valuable meeting people, making friends. Uh, right. And I really don't, I'm not that, I'm not so lazy, nor am I above going on appointments. I enjoy it because, you know, here's the thing, all the marketing that we do, and we're, we're probably spending five or six grand a month. Right. And that's if I was to be paying for most of the things that I'm not because mm -hmm. I promote them, of course, but, um, um, the five or six grand a month that we spend, all of it is directed towards finding ourselves a flip or a rental. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, Earlier, I said we're going to circle back to this whole marketing thing. I'm going to do that real quick. Okay. So I don't care, Rob, if the listeners are wanting to be wholesalers or if they don't want anything to do with wholesaling. I don't care if the listeners want to be rehabbers or if they don't want anything to do with rehabbing. 
and I'm going to do one more. And I don't care if the listeners are wanting to be landlords or they want nothing to do with landlording. Here's the secret, guys. None of those things are really that possible without getting a good deal on a property. Or possible is the wrong word. Uh, They're not very lucrative. That's a way better word, right? Without getting a good deal on a property. So learn to market. And all of those doors will be wide open. And if you want to go down the landlord route and go walk through that door, it's open for you. And if you want to fix and flip, Rob, that door's wide open for you. And if you want to just be lazy like me and just wholesale it and make 10 grand and just go on a trip to Aspen, like I literally just did, right? That door is wide open to you, right? But you got to learn to market. That's the name of the game. This is a marketing business. Find those deals. So with my marketing, all of it is for me to go find my next rental property or my next fix and flip. Keep the best and wholesale the rest. It's that simple. So what we don't want to keep in our own portfolio or what's not going to make for a really good fix and flip because it is too much work or it's in a bad part of town, we wholesale it. Mm-hmm. And that's the approach that I have. That's the approach that I try to share with my students because a lot of people, they want to get into wholesaling because A, they believe there's little to no money to do it, which is true if you consider also that you're going to have to spend a lot of time and money on the leads, yeah. right? But then they go wholesale a couple of deals and like, wow, this is great. I paid off some debt or made some cash, but like, I, this is a job, right? This is a lot of work. Like it's a lot of work, right? So, you know, I encourage my students and my listeners, and my followers to do the fix and flips because it's going to teach you a lot and you're going to make way more than 10 grand. You're going to make 50, 60, 80, 100,000 in some markets on, on a good fix and flip deal. And then also go learn about buying rental properties. And that could be single families, that could be multifamilies, that could be commercials, doesn't matter, right? Because there's so many advantages with rental properties. And that's really my true passion is the, is the passive income. It's the rental property, right? Another way to word that would be getting cash flow, right? I love the, I love cash flow. Mr. Wonderful. I know you guys all know who he is from the Shark Tank. He preaches cash flow more than anybody I know. Cash flow, right? So cash flow allows you to get paid, you know, on a by by owning an asset. It's what's left. So if you go out and you're able to buy, you know, a building that you know has multiple units in it, and it you know total it rents for three grand a month, right? But you only have to pay the bank twenty two hundred bucks a month. And then you have a little bit of a management fee. You got to factor in your vacancies and your repairs. But at the end of the day, you can cash flow three or four, maybe even 500 bucks. And then you go buy 10 of those properties. That's that's three to $5,000 a month in passive income. Now, why is that cool? Well, obviously it's cool because you don't have to work for it. But what's cooler than not having to work for something is being able to keep more of it, right? Mm-hmm. So when you go out and you get a job and you have a W-2 and you're working hard for the man, Government takes like 35% of your money. Boom, it's gone. Gone. <laughs> when you get cash flow from your money or, or your assets making you money, you are able to, to reduce that by almost half. Right? So it's like, what better way to create wealth by paying less taxes, right? Not only on the money that you earn, but you can also offset your taxes on other income amazing crazy right when you when you think about okay so you've been doing this 16 years now 10 years slow i was a rookie for 10 years 
10 years slow, <laughs> six years faster, right? Where do you see the next 10 to 15 years for David Dodge? Like what what do you what is that what does your business look like? What is it gonna morph into? What are some of your what are some of your you know big audacious goals? Uh-oh. Somebody's calling me, but wait. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Sorry, I'm using my phone again to hear some camera. So I would say the big audacious goals are let's see if we can't silence that. Um you know, I really want to I really want to grow my coaching business. I want to grow the business uh, and help more people learn about, you know, marketing and learn about um, being able to open those doors we talked about earlier, right? Everybody, you know, usually has one they want. They pick one. They're like, oh, I want to go rehab houses or, oh, I want to become a wholesaler or, oh, I want to be a landlord. And usually after they get good at one of those and they'll start pivoting into the other things. But again, none of that stuff is 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 feasible or I, what was the word i used uh, lucrative none of those lucrative right without knowing how to get a deal and it's so simple how do you get a deal well you market to sellers and you offer convenience and you demand a discount and if they don't give you a discount then you pull back i love it whenever i'm on the phone with students and they are you know maybe kind of new or even ones that have been doing it for a month or two and they'll say, Dave, can we hop on a call with this seller? They're just being really difficult. And I'm like, let's do it. Call them up. Let's go. I'm ready to go. Let's go. Let's go. And I say, hey, this is Dave. I'm with Household Easy where I'm partnered with this guy or this guy and his business. And I just want to let you know that we are really excited about working with you and buying your house. But I want to be very clear with you. We don't pay retail. And if you're looking for that, then I want to stop this call right now. Right? So what can we do for you? We can make your life incredibly simple. We can pay cash. We can close fast. And we can buy this property as is. You guys see the three things right there? Mm-hmm. And if that works for you, we'll even help you load the moving truck, right? But we do not pay retail, okay? So, Mr. or Mrs. Seller, you know, this guy, James, uh, Jim, or Frank, whoever the student is, says, hey, you know, um, you know, this is this this is uh you know the Mr. Seller here, and Mr. Seller is off, you know, asking hundred K. And I say, Oh, you know, that would be great if um, you know, if if we can close in two and a half, three months, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna need to get an appraiser in here to make sure that that's worth that, and we're gonna need to inspect. Uh, so no problem. You know, how does that sound? And then they'll be like, Well, I thought you guys said that you can pay cash and close quick and do it as is. And I said, Yes, absolutely, but we don't do those things for free. We're not doing that for retail. So if you're asking a hundred and you want all those things, we'll pay you 70 and we will be happy to make your life incredibly easy. But if you're not going to make it a good deal for us as investors, then we have zero interest in running this appointment with you. And I'm very frank. I'm not rude. There's a difference there. But I'm very frank. I get to the point. And I think a lot of it is disqualifying myself because in the beginning, I would spend sometimes an hour on the phone with somebody just to realize that they are not motivated. And my wife would look at me and be like, you are too nice, David Dodge. And I'd be like, I know. <laughs> I'd go on the appointment, David, in the beginning. Wow. I'd be like, I don't know. And, and I'd go was, on the appointment. Like, she's, she's my biggest coach, my best coach. Because she'll just, like, she'll have to speak. She'll just look at me and be like, uh-uh. And I'd be like, ah, oh, that, that, that guy's not motivated, right? So now I lead with it. I lead with the fact that I don't pay retail route. I lead with the fact that I have a couple conveniences that I would offer them in exchange for a discount, but only if, right? Only if, and if they want retail, we can still help them. We can refer them to an agent, 
We can refer them to um, a home valuation expert who's basically an agent on our team that will send out to make a wholesale offer, but also pitch a listing while they're there, mm -hmm. right? But before we go, we want to know where they stack up, mm -hmm. right? So the biggest question I think I get is, how do you know what to offer? I don't half the time. I pull up a Zillow Zestimate and multiply it by 0.5 or 0.6, literally. Yeah, 50%. And that's, not, and that's not that's not what I'm willing to pay, guys. Come on, let's be real. It's probably a lot more than that. But what I do, Rob, is let's say the Zestimate's 200 grand. I say, yeah, I'm typically oh, buying anchor. anchor. It's an anchor. I, I typically, what I'll say is, let's say the Zestimate's 200 grand, Rob, and the seller's on the phone, they're like, well, you know, what do you? What would you be interested in paying? And I say, you know, I'm typically buying houses in this neighborhood around 120 grand, and I'm probably willing to pay 150. But here's the thing: if they if they say there's two ways to respond to that, one is you are crazy; it's worth 200. Great, you want to hang up on me? This is going to save me the trouble. <laughs> Bye. The other the other response is, oh, you know, that's a little lower than I was thinking. I was really hoping to get 145. And it's like, boom, I probably would have paid 150, you know? Yep. Okay. Yep. Hey, you know what? I can't promise I'll pay you the 145. You know, I'd be really comfortable with the 120, but that doesn't mean I can't make this work. Are you going to be free tomorrow afternoon? Yeah. I'm going to go. Book the appointment. Yep. Yeah. Book the appointment for my team or myself or whoever. And you know, it's really that simple guys. I am not an expert at sales. I am not. But what I am good at is making friends with people. And, and justifying my low offer. Now, you notice I didn't say my offer. I said my low offer. My offer's low every single time, guys. This but it's is for the act of convenience. This is a business. The, the, the definition, I said it before, I'm going to say it again. The, the definition of business, go look it up. The act of making money. I'm not going to do this to break even or to lose. It's I'm always wonderful. Junior. Yes. Absolutely. So Absolutely. you know what I think? I think uh, something that I'm taking away that I think listeners can take away is that one, I could tell that you genuinely like people. So you're you're going in there and you you're looking to you want to make a friend, right? I, and I always you, make a friend. Yeah, and and you have no qualms letting anybody know that it's going to be a low offer because there's a trade in convenience, right? That's value. Convenience is value. And so I often get my offer accepted when it's not the highest yeah. because I make it so clear to people, Rob, that when they work with me and they give me the discount that makes it lucrative, mm -hmm. that they're not going to have to worry about anything. Mm -hmm. And that, and that if, if my partner backs out the last minute, then I'm going to find a new one or I'm going to use my own money to buy it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I tell people this all the time when I'm on appointments, you know, I love being the last guy out. I don't have to be the first. In fact, I don't even really want to be the first because then it's going to shop my offer. Mm -hmm. But if I'm the last guy out, I will make a low offer. It's always going to be a low offer, but I'm going to justify that offer as being the best offer because it's backed by me. Mm -hmm. And not only am I going to give them those three conveniences, but I'm going to show them a track record of 600 deals that we've done, Right. And I'm going to make it very clear to them that I am going to bring a partner in on most of my deals, but it's me buying the house, not the partner. You know what I'm saying? And oftentimes yeah. people will take my offer over somebody that's willing to pay them five or even 10,000 more 
because I am really good at getting them to like me and making a friend with them. And a lot of it has to do with listening, which I'm not doing a whole lot of on this show. I apologize. <laughs> hey, no, no, and you're not supposed to. Like, I'm <laughs> right. That's my job is to listen. Your job is to talk. That's right. But, you know, getting out and making a friend. I believe that you put me up against the best sales guy that I'm going to be able to go, you know, neck to neck with, the, with, with him. Not because I have all these tips and tricks. And, you know, I know about NLP and mirroring people and, you know, controlling situations and anchoring and all these little tips and all these things that can definitely, you know, add a little bit of a, a bonus to your game. But at the end of the day, people don't want to be sold. They don't want to be convinced. They want to work with somebody they trust and like. And if you go in with some sleazy sales tactic, you're not going to be liked. I can promise you that. You know, it's interesting. I teach everybody on my team. There's three things. It's a triangle. People need to like you. They need to trust you. And then they need to respect you. So the like is, can you make a friend? The Love trust it. is, yeah. right? You nailed it. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, and so I've, I've learned through the, if you have all three of those, like, trust, respect, yeah, like it's, you're gonna it's be a, fine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fine. It's not rocket science, guys. You don't have to have all these, you know, these like little tips and tricks or, you know, however you want to call it. Like, obviously, learn negotiation. Excuse me, learn it because it's going to be, it's going to better your life in every single way, not even in real estate. Like, booking into a hotel, you're going to save money because if you know how to negotiate, right? You're going to want to learn that stuff. But when it comes to getting a seller to sign a contract, for a low offer that you hopefully just justified as being fair by, by offering conveniences. What they care about is liking you and trusting you and respecting you. Like you just said all these things. Yeah. And there's no better way to gain someone's respect and fringe and make a friend with them by, you know, just don't be on a rush. Listen to what they have to say and don't come in. You know, here's one of the things that I think is so funny. People that will say, you know, or like, let's just say I make an offer and the seller comes back a month later and says, you know, I'm really starting to consider that offer. And I, and let, let's just say I was like, well, that was the offer I made last month. And I always make my highest offer first. So now the offer is lower. Do you think anybody wants to work with that D-bag? No, no. Be normal. Be a human, right? So if somebody calls you a month later from an offer you made, be like, oh my God, I was just getting ready to call you. Like, I was thinking about you too. This is great. That offer is still on the table. In fact, I might even be able to pay a little more. I don't know. I need to see the house first though, right? Like, when can I come view it? Like, just be friendly. It's that simple. Love it, man. So let's, uh, well, I have an idea for you, by the way. Okay. I love it. Here's an idea. Because you're passionate about the marketing piece. How many real estate investment books have you read that really go deep on marketing? No. So there's a lot of real estate investment books. Mine does. What's that? My, you're, you're, I, I wrote a book on wholesaling too. I have, I have three books out. Okay. And it's called The Ultimate Guide to Wholesaling Real Estate. Okay. And I'd say 60 to 70% of that book, well, maybe not that much, 50% of that book, is about the different types of marketing methods. But but Rob, I'm I am agreeing with you when I say this. Most books on real estate investing do not go into marketing. They mention it, 
but they don't go into the specifics. The specifics, how it, like how it really works. The cost yeah. per client, you know, the, the cost per client, like, you know, just now it's all going to change. When you're talking, Russell Brunson's coming to mind, right? And and like you read some of his stuff, like, and you, you realize, okay, this guy is a marketing genius, right? Just the way hook story offer and he has the whole thing. But nobody's really done that for real estate that I know of at a deep level. We're going to put your books in in the show notes below because I think that would be awesome, right? Because yeah, sure. if you talk 60 to 70% of your books on marketing, like that, that's what everybody needs to really yeah. learn. Like I would say, it took me a long time to figure out. I'm like, you're not in the real estate business, guys. You guys are in the marketing business. You got to get comfortable marketing. You got to understand other levels of marketing. And you got to be a student of that, of that game, right? Become yep. a student. And then by the way, when the telephone rings, you better know what to say. So you better learn how to develop rapport, make a friend. Like you say, I love that. It's a really, really talk to them like you're the, their friend, right? Like when you use that friend analogy, it makes everything easier, right? Every, yeah. So whenever I'm on the phone with somebody, I tell them, hey, you got your phone handy. I'm going to give you my cell. I want you to save it as Dave that's going to buy your house, right? <laughs> And, and nowadays, call I get caller ID just without even having it in my phone. And whenever somebody calls, I call them by their first name. I'm like, hey, John, I was thinking about you too, man. I was getting ready to call you. What's up? I don't even know what house John lives at. <laughs> you know? but I, I treat them as a friend before we're friends. It just yeah. encourages them to be more friendly. You see That's what I'm awesome. saying? I mean, awesome. I can't emphasize that enough. Rob, awesome. I'm able to share one thing with this audience today. Yep. I would highly recommend everybody go check out freewholesalecourse.com. That's the only okay. plug that I would like to make. If you if you want to share my books, that would be great by all means. But yep. freewholesalecourse.com is the plug that I would like to make. I have helped close to 15,000 investors at this point learn That's the awesome. basics of wholesaling. And you can learn. I have a course. It's going to probably take you three or four hours to get through. It's free. So I'm not even selling anything here. I'm not saying go buy this. Go check it out for free. The only catch is I need an email because I want to send you tips and tricks. I want to send you more value. And if you want to opt out at any time, that's totally cool. But there's three or four hours worth of free content in that free wholesale course. And again, 50 to 60% of that is on marketing. It's, it's the specifics of how I find my deals what softwares I use, how to drive for dollars, how to pull those lists, how to send postcards, how to cold call, what system should I use? Where do I get my leads? How to cold text? Where do I get the leads? What system am I using again, right? And you know, we even break it down into, I think it's six or seven different uh, different modules. You know, the first thing is kind of the 101, then we talk about the marketing, then we talk about you know locking up properties and making offers and sending contracts. We talk about the closing process. I mean, we break down the entire business over three or four hours. Uh, again, that's freewholesalecourse.com. Dude, that's awesome. We'll definitely put it in. We'll cool. have to add you to our marketplace. I'll talk to Jess about that. That would be awesome. David Dodge. Okay, man. Well, you're you're there. You're in Aspen for a couple more days. Yeah, yeah. Days. We're gonna be. We're actually leaving tomorrow night. Okay. The, um, but I'm gonna. Yeah, I might even get another day in skiing. Today was day five. Woohoo! And this is my fifth trip to Colorado this year. What? That's Man. awesome. Yeah. 
I know. Usually I don't get to come out. Usually it's two or three. So like, okay, come on. That's still a lot. I get it. But this year I was just like, you know what? Life is short. This pandemic is just, you know, yeah, it's I really rich in everybody's happiness and any opportunity that I could find this year to go with my wife. This is my second trip with my wife uh, or Very with cool. my wife or my buddies. I'm taking it. I'm going. I don't care about the cost. I'm doing it. We only live once. And, you know, another thing is I was thinking about this on the gondola of today, Rob. I was thinking I am just so grateful that I'm a real estate investor because it gives me the, the freedom to do this. You know, it gives me the freedom to take a vacation. gives me the freedom to jump on a podcast, you know, for an hour plus with a friend and provide value and not worry about all this other stuff. You know, real estate investing, uh, if done properly by direct to seller marketing and you can, you and then again, all those doors open up, it's going to provide you a life that's going to give you freedom and riches, right? You're going to get the best of both worlds. Yeah. Time, you know, freedom of time is one of the big ones. The fact that you can go to Colorado and you've been there five times this year already. That's awesome. That says it all. It's, it's, hey, it's, David, it's amazing. Thank you, brother, for, for sharing time with us today. I really appreciate it. That's awesome. Enjoy. Hey, get, back, get back to vacationing with your wife. I'm so sorry I kept him for an hour. She's probably no going <laughs> come on, get done. Anyhow, man, thanks so much. We'll catch up later on. Be well. Hey, thanks, Rob. I'm grateful for your time. And again, thanks for having me, man. Sure.